Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Okay, yes, so as Vlad says, uh, we're in this uh, series, The King's Speech. Can I just say... Vlad always introduces me with really nice things, says nice things about me, stuff that I really don't deserve. Can I just say, Vlad, you are a legend. I sit next to him. Come on, let's just give him some. I sit next to him when we're working up in the office over there, and he is just a great guy with great ideas. When he preaches, he kind of makes my heart sore. These, and he always has those brilliant illustrations like last week with that long sheet of paper with all the laws written on it. Memorable. You're a great guy, Vlad. We love you. Um, okay, so yeah, Vlad did a brilliant message last week about... Um, what was it about? Oh yeah, Jesus fulfilling... <laughs> yeah. Jesus fulfilling the law. And he had yeah, that sheet of paper running across the entire kind of uh, church auditorium length which listed all the laws of Jesus and essentially how it's impossible for us to fulfill all those laws. We can't do it. Um, and it was enlightening and it was challenging. And if you want to know more, if you didn't hear it, and if you want to know more about how the Old Testament law relates to us in our lives now, then I suggest you get the podcast. Um, we're moving on to the next few verses today. And it pretty much follows on from what Vlad was talking about last week. Um, so Jesus explains that he is the fulfillment of the law. And then it, he makes this, this last sentence in that passage. He says this, he says, um, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, um, you're going to miss out on a kingdom life. So unless, he's just basically said, it can't be done. But then in the next sentence saying, well, if your righteousness is not, is not greater than these guys, you're going to miss out on a kingdom life. There's a little bit of tension there. I think, well, how, you know, what, what, what are we supposed to do then? How can we, how can we possibly uh, do that? Well, Jesus goes on um, to then give examples of what, what he's talking about. Essentially, trying to move away from obeying the letter of the law and to kind of harness the spirit of the law. So we go on. We go on uh, if you have a Bible, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5. And from verse 21, just a few verses we're looking at today. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 21. Now, in my Bible, it starts off with this, this heading in bold. It says, murder, which is always a nice way to start a text, murder. Uh, and then he goes on to say this. You have, heard it said, sorry, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So what he's saying is, oh, well, this is the law. You have heard it said, uh, don't murder. That's the letter of the law. And then he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never called anyone racker, so I'm okay on that score. Um, should be fine. Uh, I may have called people fools, so a little bit worried now. Uh, maybe you too. Um, but my message today is really for anyone who gets angry, anyone 
who loses their temper. And maybe that's not you. Maybe that's just your friends or the person sitting next to you. Maybe it's not you at all. So in that case, then this message is for the person sitting next to you and your angry friends. Um, so we're looking at, I've titled this message, Anger Management. Anger Management. Now, normally when we're referring to anger management, we're kind of talking about perhaps therapy to help us kind of overcome uh, our kind of anger issues, which is kind of, this is fine, I'm going to be mentioning that a little bit, but I also want to talk about managing our anger to a positive thing, because sometimes anger can be good, and we need to manage that in the right way to a positive outcome. So we're going to look at both sides of that, that coin um, uh, today. Now, we all get angry at times. We all lose our temper at times. It's Father's Day, so maybe us fathers, we won't get angry today because everyone's being nice to us. But tomorrow, <laughs> when, when they're not anymore, who knows what can happen uh, when, when they stop making the effort. So what makes us angry? Well, I was thinking about this and kind of come to the conclusion that usually the thing that makes us angry is people. People. And why do people make us angry? Because they are different to us. Yeah, we all think, well, if people were just like me, then I would never need to lose my temper because the world would be just perfect. <laughs> Maybe we don't think that. Um, but people are different, and, and those differences uh, kind of can create animosity. So people who like to be on time tend to get angry at people who don't mind being a few minutes late. Yeah, if you're married, if you have that in your marriage, then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. People who like to save money get angry. People who like to spend money, again, that causes issues in marriage. Uh, people who vote Labour might get angry at people who vote Tory. Cat lovers get angry at dog lovers, maybe. Vegetarians just seem to be cross at everyone. <laughs> I'm only joking, Linny. I'm only joking. Forgive me. You're not. You're lovely. When Fru and I got married, I realised quite quickly that, that we were different. Okay? You do, right? When you get married, you realise, okay, uh, she's different to me. Uh, and sometimes that can be difficult. Sometimes that can make you angry. Uh, I know I realised quite quickly that one of the differences between us is that Fru likes to talk. And worse than that, she likes me to talk. <laughs> it's just so unreasonable. Can't we just talk silently in our heads whilst watching the telly? I don't know. Um, people are different to me. And, and, and I, you, know, you, you might think of me as this patient guy, but I do get angry at all sorts of things. I'm not going to go into all those because there's, there's too many. Um, but I also was thinking about well, different personalities as well. And there's all these superhero movies around at the moment, Marvel and DC. And, and I was thinking how all these different superhero characters have traits that actually I think we can relate to as people. And maybe you know people like this. So I was thinking, well, well, Batman, he's kind of that Batman. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't like to talk very much. He just grunts. Uh, so Batman, would you like a cup of coffee? Oh, oh. Maybe you know someone like, maybe you're married to someone like that. Iron Man, he's got that strong, hard shell. Just leave me alone with my gadgets. My gadgets don't require anything from me. I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> Wolverine. Wolverine is this 
unpredictable character. You never know who's going to show up in any given moment. Maybe you know someone like that. Is it going to be Vlad who shows up or, or Brad? <laughs> the Hulk. You can't talk about anger without talking about the Hulk. He just bottles it all up. What does he say? Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And you women aren't left out of this. Storm, storm, everything's all peaceful. One minute, the sun is shining, and suddenly the clouds roll in, the ice cloud over, and explosion, thunder, and lightning happens. And then, of course, you've got Wonder Woman. Oh, we like Wonder Woman. Okay. Wonder Woman is just brilliant at everything. Who's seen Wonder Woman? It's a great film, right? And she just great at everything she turns her hand to. That can be just as annoying, right? <laughs> Maybe you're married to someone like that. Actually, I'm, I'm married to a great woman, and you are Supergirl, maybe. <laughs> so people are different, and we can find that difficult. And if we're not careful, it can cause us to lose our temper and to get angry. So is getting angry always wrong? Well, we have to be careful here because there's a tension. Right? In the Bible, we find a tension in the text. So on one hand, we have scriptures like the one we, we read, anyone who is angry is subject to judgment. Uh, or Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. 1 Corinthians, we know that passage, it's the one of all about love, and it says, love is not easily angered. And then in James, uh, James writes, the brother of Jesus writes, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And then Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9, anger resides in the lap of Falls. So on one hand, we've got lots of scriptures that tell us you, you shouldn't really be angry. But then on the other hand, we have um, actually a lot of scriptures in the Old Testament that talks about God and his anger. And so Exodus 4.14, the Lord's anger, it says, burned against Moses. And then in Exodus 22.21, do not take advantage of the widow or fatherless, or my anger will be aroused. Again, this is God talking. So I read that 375 times, out of the 455 times that anger is mentioned in the Old Testament, it's actually to do with a, what you might call a good anger, a righteous anger. And then you might think, well, that's just the Old Testament. But we look in the New Testament, we look at the life of Jesus. He wasn't afraid to let a bit of anger rip, was he? Mark 3 verse 5, he says, he looked at them in anger, distressed at their stubborn hearts. This was when he wanted to heal the guy with the shriveled hand on the Sabbath. And the teachers of the law were focused on the letter of the law and were saying he shouldn't do it. That made Jesus really cross because they missed it. He got angry. And we've agreed a number of times that he got angry. Um, and so we have to understand this difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. And to understand that actually God gets angry, and we are made in the image of God, in the likeness of God. So we're going to have that emotion in us as well, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. We just have to know what to do with it. And Ephesians 4 actually gives us a bit of a clue. It says, in your anger, do not sin. In some translations, it says, be angry, but don't sin. You won't read ever, uh, be greedy, but don't sin, or be lustful, but don't sin, because some things are just plain wrong. But anger doesn't have to be wrong. It can be right, and it can produce a right result. So that's the first thing I want us to understand is two types of anger. Bad anger, 
kind of losing our temper kind of in a wrong way is not healthy and will always lead to sin. Good anger is righteous and can lead to a positive change. It can also lead to sin, but it can lead to a positive change. Good anger has led to amazing things throughout the whole of history. Uh, we can take examples uh, uh, from kind of many centuries ago. If we look at anger against hypocrisy in the established church, which led Martin Luther to start the Great Reformation, because he thought, actually, this is not what the Bible teaches. And he got angry against the established church. And then, of course, you've got uh, people like William Wilberforce, who had anger against racial injustice and slavery and others, and came against Parliament in his anger, trying to make a change and get rid of the slave trade in England and America. You've got anger against injustice that led the suffragettes to, uh, you know, to, to fight against government for positive change for women's rights. And then more recently, you've got uh, people like Christine Kane, great woman who had such a heart and anger against um, uh, trafficking, human trafficking, and so started the organization A21, and is doing great things to help to bring women and children out of dark places. Good anger can produce a positive outcome. So how can we keep bad anger in check, and how can we let good anger loose to change the world? Well, let's start off with the first thing. How are we going to keep uh, our temper um, in check uh, when we're not supposed to lose it? Well, first thing is have a look at who you're hanging out with. If you're somebody who's prone to losing their temper, who, who are your mates? Who are you hanging out with? Because the people you're hanging out with are the people you'll become like. If you hang out with uh, somebody who's negative, then you're going to become more negative if you're hanging out with somebody who's kind of rebellious, then you're going to become more rebellious. If you're hanging out with somebody who easily loses their temper, then you're going to become like that. Uh, King Solomon uh, put it like this in one of his Proverbs. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Simple, but something we can all do. Okay, the second thing we can do is take a time out. Okay, when we feel ourselves losing our temper, this is something I have to do at home fairly regularly, right, Gid? But you know, take a step back because sometimes when you let it rip, it doesn't take long for you to just regret it, does it? You've done it and you go, oh man, if only I'd just taken 10 seconds, 10 minutes, 10 hours, whatever it needs, you know, count to 10, count to 100 or 1,000, but do what it takes. Take a step back from the situation and then come back at it, and you'll find, actually, it's not as bad as it thought it was, and you can deal with it in a much more sensible and less regretful way. Proverbs 4, he who is slow to anger, sorry, 14, he who is slow to anger has great understanding. I heard a story of a husband asking his wife, he said, when I get mad at you, you don't retaliate, you never fight back. How do you control your anger so well? And the wife replies, well, I, I get on my knees, and I clean the toilet. And the husband's like, well, that is just so humbling. That is just so humbling. I, I could learn something from that, but tell me, how does that help? And she says, well, I use your toothbrush. <laughs> That's not a suggestion. It's just a joke. Take it as it's meant. Okay, so uh, what can we do? We can take a time out. 
to you know, take a step back from the situation. The third thing we can do is, in a way, do what the wife did and get on your knees. If you want to clean the toilet, go ahead. But get on your knees and pray. If there's somebody who's upsetting you or annoying you, one of the best things you can do is pray for them. I know we know this. We know that prayer is where the power is, right? Um, now, we have to be careful about how we pray. I'm not talking about prayer. God, you know what Sheila did to me. You saw her sin. God, you need to deal with her. Show her where she went wrong. Um, God, uh, uh, let her see what I did right so that she will know how to react in future. That's, not, that's gossiping to God and gossiping to anybody else who's listening. That's not the prayer I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is God bless that person. God show me how I can bless that person. Help me to see what's going on to help them. That's the prayer that we need to make. And when we do that, when we make prayers like that, when we ask God to give us a forgiving heart, you know what I found is, when we do that, praying for someone will sometimes change them. But praying for someone will always change you. Praying for someone will sometimes change them. Praying for them will also always change you. Matthew 5 verse 4, 44, uh, a little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount, says this, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that word persecute I guess means annoy the pants off. Okay, pray for those who annoy you, who get under your skin. Yeah, really go for it. It also says bless them as well. Okay, the fourth thing uh, that we can do if we're people who lose our temper is practice forgiveness. Replace your anger with forgiveness. Scientific studies have shown that just simply venting your anger and expressing your anger doesn't help. I know some people think, oh, you have to express it. Actually, scientific studies have shown it doesn't help. It just makes the anger increase. Okay, so if you're a wolverine who just lets rip as soon as anybody annoys you, it doesn't help. But then neither does bottling it up. If you're a hulk and you keep it all inside you and, you, and you know, just, it just grows and grows and gnaws away, that doesn't help either. So what do we do? We have to replace it with something. And replacing anger with forgiveness is one of the best things we can do. Ephesians 4 verse 31 gives us a clue here. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So get rid of that, but then it tells us what to replace it with. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So don't do the first thing, replace it with the second thing. And then maybe the question is, well, what about if they keep hurting you? This person keeps on hurting me. How many times should I forgive them? And I guess most of us know ugh, the annoying truth about that. What Jesus said about how many times we should forgive them. Now what I've done is I've come up with what I call a forgiveness equation. Okay, this is to help. It's going to really help us, I'm sure. And the forgiveness equation looks like this. The number of times to forgive someone is exactly equal to the number of times you've been hurt. Exactly equal. And the problem comes when those things aren't, aren't balanced. The moment that you've been hurt more times than you've forgiven, you're going to have issues in your life. This is difficult. This is hard. But this is what leads to a kingdom life. And that's ultimately what we want. So this is something you can practice 
and get better at. We want to do away with bad anger. But at the same time, we also want to make use of righteous anger or good anger. So what makes you angry in a good way? And I was thinking about this for me. I've already said some of the things that, you know, that maybe makes me bad, angry in a bad way. And I wanted to give you a kind of real-life example. Um, so recently, we were on holiday as a family in, in Rye, having a great holiday. And we decided we wanted to go to church on Sunday. And so we kind of looked at the local web, websites for local churches. And we found one that said it was a, a modern church, a community-focused church. And we thought, oh, that sounds ideal. Let's go there. And I, <laughs> I'm already getting wound up thinking about it. Um, and so we went along on Sunday morning. We got the family in the car. Let me, let, me just, let me just say something first. I really believe in the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. I believe that the church, when it's done right, can be amazing. I think it's relevant to society. I think... We serve a living God, and I think the church is alive. I think it's the spotless bride of Christ, potentially. I think there's so much potential in the power of the church. So, when I go to a church and see a church that doesn't do or believe those things, I get angry. It winds me up. And it's kind of funny, and it shouldn't, and I have to be careful about that. But, you know, it does. I see, I see a church, and... I don't think church should be filled with, I have to be careful what I say, with octogenarians, understand what I'm saying, who I just want to belong to a, a safe club, protecting it from the outside, not wanting their special club messed up. And, you know, and when it calls itself modern, I expect to sing songs that are newer than 300 years old. And I don't mind 300-year-old songs. Some of them are great, but come on. When it calls itself community-focused, I expect the service to have some relevance to the community that it's trying to reach. And when it doesn't happen, I get wound up. So I have to be careful not to let that anger lead me into sin. But I also have to be careful not to just push the anger down and ignore it. Because if you do something about those things, actually you can make a positive change in the world. So what is it that makes you good angry? What is it that gets your go in a good way? Is it, is it outdated and irrelevant expressions of church like for me? Well, what are you doing about it? What am I doing about it? Is it seeing lost people dying and going to hell without knowing Jesus? What are you doing about it? Is it human trafficking? What are you doing about it? Is it seeing treatable sicknesses and diseases that go left untreated because of corporate greed? What are you doing about it? Is it realizing that the, one of the main killers of half the world's population is obesity? And one of the main killers of the other half of the world is famine. What are you doing about it? Is it physical or emotional abuse of children or vulnerable people? What are you doing about it? Sometimes that anger is there because God wants to change the world. 
He wants to change things. And it's possible when we allow that anger to make us make positive changes. Anger can be so good when it's directed in the right way. So what's the take home today? If we look at that back of that heading for today's scripture, we see that it says murder. But really, it's not about murder. It's, it's about understanding the difference between the spirit of the law and the letter of the law. So if I say to my daughter Charlotte, Charlotte, don't slap Gideon, and then Gideon comes in next day crying, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> and Charlotte says, I didn't slap him, I kicked him. She's obeyed the letter of the law, but she's missed the spirit of the law. She's missed you know, what I was trying to say. And this is what wound Jesus up so much is that all these teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they had the letter of the law down. But they totally missed the spirit of the law. And Vlad spoke to us last week. What, what sums up the spirit of the law? Actually, when it comes down to it, it's that simple word, isn't it? It's love. It's loving God, loving people. And when we put that, get that in our hearts, it will prevent us from losing temper in a bad way. And it will probably enable us to release our anger in a good way and see, and see change in our society. So we all need to, I think probably, we all need to move somewhere today from the place that we're at. We probably all have areas that need attention in our lives when it comes to bad anger. There's maybe people that we need to forgive. There's maybe people that we need to go and talk to. Remember what it says at the end of the scripture? If you know that somebody has something against you, leave your offering, leave what you're bringing, go and put it right. Go and put that right and then come back. And actually your offering will mean much more when you're in right relationship. And obviously practicing forgiveness. Maybe there's people we need to forgive. There's relationships that need fixing. Maybe there's prayers that need to be made. God, change me. God, show me how to bless this person. Show me how to be a light and a help to that person. That's the first thing I would encourage you. The second thing I would encourage you today is to reduce our passivity when it comes to good anger and righteous anger. If we follow Jesus' example, which we're trying to, we're trying to be more like Jesus. Gid, you want to come up? Mate? We want to be more like Jesus. When he was faced with injustice, he was just happy to let it rip. He was. Because he knew that sometimes that's what was needed in order to make a change, in order to change his society. What could you accomplish? What could we accomplish as a church if we directed our hearts, if we directed those passions and those, those righteous anger in the right direction? What would we look like? What would be different about our own lives if we did that? What would be different about our families if we did that? What would be different about this church if we did that? Or, or Bromley if we did that? What would be different about our nation? Actually, what could change in the world if we did that? I'm done. Uh, band, would you mind just coming up? We're going to sing a song. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. Let's stand together. I'm just going to pray that kind of these words which are kind of scripture we know that God's words won't return void they will accomplish all they need to accomplish and, I, and my prayer today will be that actually we can take this on board and make a change Father God we come to you 
We know we don't get it right, but our hearts are sincere in wanting to see you glorified in our life. We want to see a change in some of those areas that need um, uh, amending, God. Help us to, to see the power of forgiveness. Help us to see your example. Help us to let go of those times when we lose our temper in a bad way. Help us to be able to forgive those hurts, to make that equation, to make those scales balanced. And Lord God, help us to harness the righteous anger that you have often put there to see great change, to accomplish your will in our homes, in our families, and in our society, God, just to see you glorified. In your name we pray. Amen.